Today, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And while some of you have been to church for a while and maybe you've been to Easter service after Easter service and and maybe for some of you, 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 you know what today is. You know what it's all about and you know what's about to happen and, and how this service usually goes. What can happen is you can have a tendency to look at this as just another Easter and just another Easter service. But my challenge for you today is this. My challenge for you today is to not put this message, to not put this story, to not put this this moment on autopilot, to not minimize what this day really means for us. If you've been to 20 Easter services, or maybe this is your first one, this is important. This is important. And as as important as is what happened is why it happened. Why does this matter? Why is this day such a big deal? Why does it matter? And it matters because Jesus Christ died for you. No, 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 you can hear it and you, you can hear that and you can acknowledge, you can amen, but, but what happens is you're like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Jesus Christ died for you. Amen. Just you. He died for you. He died because his love for you was that great. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your story is. Jesus died knowing everything, knowing what would happen, knowing, knowing how, how you would be, knowing all of this, and he still chose to die for you. The Son of God came to earth. He lived a sinless life. He was whipped with glass shards and metal piercing his skin, nails, ha- nails hammered into his hands and his feet. And he was ultimately crucified because of God's love for you. This is good news. As my seasoned saints would say, that's good all by itself. You ain't got to add nothing to it. And there's some people who would add. And they say, no, you, you, he died, but you got to do this. And you got to follow these things. He, he died, but this, that. No, 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 no. He died for you. And anyone who would try to add anything to it or take away anything from it would only cheapen it. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. He's writing this letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1. He says, and when I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming to you the testimony of God concerning salvation through Christ, I didn't come with superiority of speech. He said, I didn't come talking fancy. I didn't come with with wisdom or lofty words of eloquence, of, of philosophy as a Greek orator might do. 
He said, for I, I made the decision to know nothing. I made the decision to forego philosophical or theological discussions regarding inconsequential things. He did that to let y'all know he can talk smart. He said, he said I, I, I chose to forego those things and opinions. I made the decision to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And the meaning of his redemptive substitutionary death and his resurrection. He said, I didn't come to you trying to tell you this and that. I didn't come to argue with you about philosophy and and the stars and the moon. He said, I came to you knowing nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The story of the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest moment in all of history. It is the moment where we went from eternal separation from God to eternal reconciliation with God. The crucifixion was a moment in history where the disciples and the followers of Jesus felt like all hope was lost. They thought the man who came in riding on a donkey to set them free from Roman rule who, who they thought was the king that they were looking for, the king that the prophecies had all talked about, they thought that he was dead. But what makes the story of Easter so great is at the moment of their highest despair, at the moment where they thought that all hope was lost, we are here celebrating today that all hope wasn't lost. In fact, three days later, just as he said, hope had risen. And it had risen with all power and all glory. And the penalty of sin had been paid. And through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, our salvation had been forever established. And our relationship with God had been restored. See, this wasn't a day like any other day. This was the day that hell was defeated and victory was won over sin and death. This wasn't a day like any other. Jesus speaks to John in Revelations. Revelations chapter 2, he's speaking, excuse me, Revelations chapter 1, he's speaking to John and he says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the absolute deity. I am the son of God and the ever living one. He said, I'm living in and beyond all time and space. He said, I died, but see, I am alive forevermore. He says, and I have the keys. I have absolute control. I have victory over death and of Hades. He says, I got it. He says, this is who I am. See, this is why we can stand boldly and declare the victory that we have in Jesus. Because when we accept Jesus, Jesus lives in us. We accept him as our savior and we have the victory. We no longer have to be a slave. We don't have to be a slave to fear and anxiety. You don't have to be a slave to depression. You don't have to be a slave to addiction. You don't have to be a slave because Roman John chapter 8 says, if the son therefore shall make you free, then you are free indeed. This is good news. This is good news. 
This is why we as Christians celebrate so passionately the resurrection of Jesus. Because it changed everything. You may say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. It sounds good. Uh, You don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know what I'm going through. There's, There's no way that Jesus died for me. There's no way that God can love me. And I may not know your story and I may not know everything about you, but I do know that regardless of who you are, regardless of your past, Jesus loves you and he died for you. He died for you. He died for me. He didn't die for those who were perfect. Aside from the fact that they don't exist, he didn't die for those who were perfect. Because why would the perfect need Jesus? He died for sinners. He died for people like you and me. He died for sinners who were in need of a savior. He died for you. He died for me. In case you don't believe me because you're like, Pastor, I don't know you. I I don't know you like that. You might be lying. I want to show you how sure I am about this. We've been on this journey the past couple of weeks, this journey to the cross. And there's this story as Jesus is on his way to the cross that I I like to dive into. And the reason that I feel the Lord showed me this is because as I was reading it, I found myself in the scriptures. I found myself in the story. And my hope is as as we get through this, you know, don't don't move too much. Nobody will know it's you, but you'll see yourself in it too. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter uh, uh, 23, and I'm going to start with verse 13. Luke 23, verse 13, Pilate gathered the people together, the high priests and all the religious leaders of the nation. He told them, you have presented this man to me and charged him with stirring a rebellion among the people. He's talking about Jesus. He says, I've examined him here in your presence and put him on trial. My verdict is that none of your charges against him are true. He says, I find no fault in him. Then I sent him to Antipas, son of Herod, who questioned him and found him not guilty. He says, since he has done nothing deserving of death, I've decided to punish him with a severe flogging and release him. For it was Pilate's custom to honor the Jewish holiday by releasing a prisoner. But when the crowd heard this, they went wild. Erupting with anger, they cried out, no, take this one away and release Barabbas. For Barabbas had been thrown into prison for robbery and murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, tried to convince them that it was best to let Jesus go. But they screamed out over and over, crucify him, crucify him a third time. Pilate asked the crowd, what evil crime has this man committed that I should have him crucified? 
He said, what'd he do? I haven't found one thing that warrants a death sentence. I will have him flogged severely and then release him. But the people and the high priest, shouting like a mob, screamed out at the top of their lungs, no, crucify him, crucify him. Finally, their shouts and their screams succeeded. Pilate caved into the crowd and ordered that the will of the people be done. Then he released the guilty murderer Barabbas as they had insisted. And he handed Jesus over to be crucified. Verse 18 said, when the crowd heard this, they went wild, erupting with anger. And they cried out, no, take this one away and release Barabbas. See, Barabbas was was found guilty of of robbing people and murdering someone. He was guilty as charged. He did it, and he was serving his time, preparing to die because he was guilty. He had done arguably one of the worst things that could be done, and his actions placed him as probably one of the most undeserving people of mercy. One of the most undeserving people of mercy. But literally, in walks Jesus. Jesus is innocent. The people have no case. The Roman ruler says he's innocent. The governor says he's innocent. Yet this whole time, Jesus doesn't defend himself because he knows what he has to do. He knows what he has to do. He knows that the will of God must be done. But he said, you know what? On the way to the cross, there's still one more miracle that needs to take place that I I need to attend to. And he takes the place of Barabbas, someone who deserved death. And Jesus took his death sentence so Barabbas could go free. The name Barabbas means son of a father. It was a nickname for someone who was born an illegitimate son with no known father. Because in those days, they would call you, they would say that you're this person, son of this person. But if you didn't know who your daddy was and your daddy wasn't around, they called him Barabbas. So someone who started off labeled as illegitimate, as undeserving, who started off with with no sense of identity and lived his life making bad choices that led up to robbing and killing someone, Jesus comes along and dies in his place. See, we are Barabbas. We are Barabbas. And while we may not have done the things that Barabbas did, we are all guilty of sin. And the Bible says that the wages or the cost or the penalty of sin is death. So we all deserve death. And as I'm reading this, I I imagine myself standing there in that moment in Barabbas' place. Sin is the charge and, and the penalty is death. And as I'm in front of the people and, I, and, and I'm in front of the people and, and, and the judge and I'm ready to receive the verdict of guilty, in walks Jesus. 
and takes my place. Knowing my guilt, knowing that I deserve death because I am a flesh and, and I am prone to sin. Knowing this, in that moment, I imagine Jesus saying what it says in Isaiah 53. Remember, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, he, our, our, our sin, our, our injustice, our, our wrongdoing, the punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his wounds, by his stripes, we're healed. We are Barabbas. You say, Pastor, I, you know, this, this is my first time here. I got invited. I'm trying to figure out how long you're going to be till you finish. I, I don't have no idea what you mean. Break it down for me. Cool. I got you. I got you. I want to finish the story from our text. And, and if you've never heard it, then let me be the first to give you the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Luke chapter 23. After this has happened, we meet the story in verse 32. Two others also who were criminals were being led away to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals. One on the right, one on the left. And Jesus there saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing his clothes among themselves. We meet him again in verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, noon, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour uh, uh, because the sun was obscured. And the veil of the holies of holies of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father... Into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. This was it. This was the moment that shook the world. Jesus voluntarily gave his life for us. This was such a moment that the earth responded. There was three hours of darkness from noon to three. The earth shook so much that the veil in the temple of the holies of holies had been torn. Jesus had died. And had it been anyone else, this would be the end of the story. Jesus, we see later, was taken off of the cross. He was, he was wrapped in, in, in linen and he was placed in a tomb where no one had ever been laid. We pick the story up in verse 55. Now the women who had come with him from Galilee followed closely and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they went back, prepared spices and ointments and sweet-smelling herbs and on the Sabbath, they rested in accordance with the commandment forbidding work. We go over to chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, 
the women went to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared to finish anointing the body. And they found the large circular stone rolled back from the tomb. But when they went inside, they did not find the body of our Lord Jesus. They're perplexed. They're they're wondering about this. And suddenly, two men appeared in dazzling clothes, stood near them. And as the women were terrified and bowing their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why are you looking for the living one among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Come on. They said, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise from death to life. And they remembered his words. And after returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the 11 apostles and to all the rest. They said, he is not here. He has risen. He is alive. This is what makes all the difference. Had death been the end of the story, this would be a story just like any other death. And we would still be slaves to sin and we would still be separated from God. We would still be in bondage to death. But Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And through his resurrection, we have new life. This is the good news. This is the good news. This is why we are here today to celebrate Jesus' victory over death and the grave and the salvation that we have through him. There's an old hymn that sums this up very perfectly. It says, it says he paid the debt he did not own. I own the debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. This is the gospel. This is why we come together. This is the source of our hope, even when things don't look good. This is why we have such joy in the midst of all this craziness that's going on, because he didn't just die. He didn't just die. He rose. And because he rose, we can have life and life more abundantly, and that is worth celebrating! Mm. Father, I just want to take a minute and just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending your son for us. Thank you, God, for sending him to die on the cross for us. God, there is no way, there is nothing that we can do to repay you. There is nothing that we could do except live a life of gratitude. Live a life of thankfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for sending your son. Amen. Amen. 